0: Hi, and welcome to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message, where we study scripture together verse by verse. Let's jump in now for this week's message. Okay, verse 11, 13, 13. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, John the Baptist. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am, I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, listen carefully, as Jesus came up out of the water, are you imagining this? He comes up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Son, the Spirit of God, descending like a dove and settling on Jesus. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great. Joy. Brent, we've heard this story a thousand times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is an incredibly significant moment in the faith of every Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, you need to know this moment. 4,000 years of Old Testament prophecies are converging at this moment. Moment right here on the shore of the Jordan River, beside the hairy, somewhat crazy eyed preacher, and before a crowd of people, God declares, God publicly declares that Jesus is his son. This is fundamental to our faith in who Jesus is. If you don't believe this, we got problems. Up until this moment, Jesus is just a very special young man with a promise, but now John and Jesus stand side by side in the water. The spirit of God in the form of a dove descends upon Jesus, the son of God, and the father's voice from heaven announces, this is my son. This may not be the moment, but it is definitely a moment where the triune God makes a unified advance on behalf of your salvation. It's good preaching, Brent. Yes. Hallelujah. <laughs> There's a preacher in uh, West Texas, a Dumas, Texas. Y'all know where Dumas, Texas is? He said hallelujah all the time. Boy, it's annoying. One of these days, y'all are going to say, I listen to this guy preach, and he kept saying that Mary and Joseph fleed, and they actually fled. He's so annoying. (laughs) Jesus is not merely another man on earth. Jesus is not an exquisite teacher or a, a benevolent leader. Jesus is the one and only son of the one true God. If this declaration at the Jordan River from heaven is not true, then everything else in the book is built upon a lie, and it's not worth reading. Jesus is, I say that with all of the reality of the definition of is. (laughs) There's a throwback there as a political pun. Anyways, some of y'all are not old enough to know what the definition of is is. Jesus is God's dearly loved son, Matthew 4, 1. Then Jesus was led, right after his baptism, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted and became very hungry, 40 days, I'm good for about 40 minutes. Now, again, this is somewhat speculation of this green line of where Jesus went into the wilderness. Uh, But the point is that he went into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit leads him into the wilderness and he goes without food. He fasts for 40 days. He becomes very weak. The whole idea is that as we are physically weak, we become spiritually vulnerable. So verse three, during that time, the devil came and said to him, if you, if, you are the son of God. Now we're going we're gonna to test the theory. God has declared that you are the son of God. Satan comes along and says, really? Really? Sure, 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 sure. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of tacos, of bread. Wouldn't it be cool if we wrote a New Mexico version of Scripture? Sell these stones to become tortillas. Hallelujah. I mean, that's temptation. But Jesus told him, I'm distracted. My sisters were here, and they're from Croatia and Illinois. They don't have tortillas. So when they get here, they're like, oh, tortillas. All right, I sidetracked. But Jesus told him, told Satan, no, the scriptures say, People do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. He prioritizes what is spiritual over what is physical. Then, verse five, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem. So now he's gonna go down here to, they, they just happen to, they, there's a word for that. They just appear in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple. Imagine. And he said, if you, here's again, if you are the son of God, jump off. Prove it to me, Jesus. You proclaim that you're the son of God. Prove it to me. If you're the son of God, jump off. What the scriptures say, because Satan used scripture too. Don't look over at your neighbor right now, right? Because there's some people who will argue with you and they'll use scripture to do it. Satan will. The scriptures say he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands. Oh, that sounds very spiritual. So you won't even hurt your foot on the stone. It's all wonderful. Jesus responded, the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. I like Jesus here. He should be played by Clint Eastwood. (laughs) Get out of here, Satan. That was the best Clint Eastwood impersonation I got. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve him, only him. Then the devil went away and the angels came back and took care of Jesus. Here's the deal. Jesus knows what it is to live with the physical weaknesses of a man. That's why he had to be tempted. That's why he goes and he is tempted. He lives with the physical weaknesses of a man. Jesus has experienced temptation just like you and I. That is why Jesus makes a perfect mediator between God and man because Jesus is God and man. Isn't that cool? God did that. I don't know if you realize that, but God had this whole plan to perfectly plan out your salvation. So he sends his son who is 100% God and who is 100% man. God prepared Jesus to be the savior of mankind in every way possible. Number three, no, you're not going to get out early. Number three, revelation of the Savior. It's not that Jesus was, not just that Jesus was the Savior. He must be revealed as the Savior. Jesus is not just God, and Jesus is not just man. Are you all right? Jesus is not just God, and he's not just Man, in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, Jesus is revealed as Savior. Now, this is the first of Jesus' supernatural deeds. Are you okay with Jesus being supernatural? He's not just a little natural. He's supernatural. John chapter 2, verse 1. This is the first of his supernatural deeds. This is a fun story. The next day... There was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. So here we are in Cana. So he lives in Nazareth. They're going to go up here to Cana of Galilee. Remember, Galilee is the region. So they're going to go up to Cana to go to a wedding. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. We moved the timeline down the road quite a little bit the wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. There's so many things I want to say about that, but I'm just going to keep going. Verse five. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do you see mom in this? I mean, you just can't take mom out of Mary. She's just that's okay, it doesn't matter if it's not your time. You, just, you, just, you guys just do what my son tells you to do because he's gonna fix everything. <laughs> That's what my son does, he can fix everything. Doesn't matter what it is, he's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all are looking over, this is a Mother's Day message now. <laughs> Standing nearby were six stone water jars. This is an intriguing part of the story, by the way. Used for Jewish Ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. That's a lot. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. And when the jars are filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. When the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, Not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. A host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone is a little tipsy, had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time, read these words carefully, Jesus revealed his what? Glory. glory. He's letting on the supernatural nature of his being. Up until now he's just been a man, an extraordinary man, but just a man. And his disciples believed in him. So here you have the eyewitnesses, you have the wine tasters. They were all witnesses to Jesus supernaturally turning water into really good wine. This is Jesus' first revelation of the glory of God in him. He's not just a man. He is God. Yeah, but... That doesn't really mean that Jesus is the Messiah. Watch this next story, John chapter four. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and he returned to Galilee. So Jesus is down here ministering in in the region of Judea. He knows that he's getting the Pharisees all stirred up and angry, so he's gonna go back, uh, he's gonna go back home to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria. This, this region right here is gonna be Samaria. On the way, eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, of Sichar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. They went to Falafel King. Swarmabelle? I don't know. I worked on that a lot this morning. I really wanted it to be funny. I appreciate the, the laugh. They went to get food. You know what? I read these stories and I'm like, man, I kind of live knowing where my next meal, and where and when my next meal is. So these people that are living like out in the desert where they don't really know when and where they're gonna eat, this makes me very anxious. He's out here at a well and he doesn't have a way to get water and he doesn't have any food and his guys took off on him. Oh, it's terrifying. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you're a Jew. And I am a Samaritan woman. It's a double strike, actually. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, oh, watch this. Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to. Who she's speaking to? She's speaking to the Son of God. Oh if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Well, what's living water? Verse 11, but sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket. You've been in the sun too long, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? You see, by Jesus coming to this well and offering living water, he's challenging this long-held tradition of Jacob and his sons. That's what they have clung to, their religion of the past. Jesus comes along and says, I'll give you something much greater. Oh, greater than Grandpa Jacob? No way, impossible. You blaspheme. Verse 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give will never be thirsty again. They will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them, what's the words? Eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I will have to come here to get water. She doesn't really understand what's going on. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet, because Jesus didn't know her from anybody else at the well. So Jesus kind of reads her mail. Sir, the woman says, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? She kind of challenges the Jewish tradition. The only place of worship. While the Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship. Because they have their own traditions. Verse 21. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter It will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. Those traditions are not gonna matter. There's a time coming when it's not gonna matter. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here when, now, when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth, the father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Then the woman said, this is where I'm going. We're arriving, okay? Then the woman said, I No, the Messiah is coming. She understood. She understood what was the Old Testament, where it was pointing. I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus says these words. He says, "I am the Messiah." Jesus is not just a miracle worker. He overtly claims to be the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament prophecies and foreshadowing. He is the Messiah. The time has come to worship in spirit and in truth now. The Christ, the Messiah, the Savior is a reality, not something we're looking forward to, not a picture, not an illustration, he is here. The God of the Old Testament has power over the seas. I'm transitioning, by the way, if you're wondering. God has, of the Old Testament, he had power over the seas, so if Jesus is God, then do you, can you, do you, do you have power over the seas too? Well, in Luke chapter eight, I gotta hurry. Oh, I still have 20 pages to get through. We're only through six pages. I'm just being serious. Luke 8, 22. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, so let's cross to the other side of the lake. This is important. So this is the Sea of Galilee. Some, some parts of scripture call it the Lake of Genesareth, but the Sea of Galilee, the Lake of Genesareth. right? You, you all with me? So uh, here we go. Uh, one day, let's, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into the boat and they started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. This is very human, right? Get in the boat. You ever, you ever taken a nap in a boat? It's rocky to sleep. Oh. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap, but soon a fierce storm came down on the lake, and the boat was filling with water, and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, "Master, Master, we're going to drown!" When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves, and suddenly the storm stopped, and all was calm. Then he asked them, where is your faith? You've seen me turn water into wine. You don't think I can stop the wind and the waves? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. Okay, so Jesus has power over physical creation. It's kind of the throwback to Moses whenever they come to the Red Sea. And what are we gonna do? And God parts the Red Sea. Here, Jesus brings calm to the storm. What about power over, uh, he has power over creation and natural things. Does he have power over spiritual things? Well, it just happens at the very next story in Luke chapter eight, Jesus demonstrates his power over unseen powers, over spiritual powers. In verse 26, they arrived at the region of the Gerasenes. I think that that's on the map. Well, it's this one right here. They arrive at the region of the garrisons across the lake from Galilee. As Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of of the most high god Seems significant to me that a demon possessed man recognizes Jesus by name and by nature son of the most high god please i beg of you don't torture me for jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him this spirit had often taken control of the man even when he was under, uh, placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness completely under the demon's power. Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied. So whenever I call your kids legions, it's not a joke. It's, it's not really not funny. It's it's a dig. <laughs> it's not polite. Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. They recognized his authority. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So, watch these words very carefully. So Jesus gave the demons permission. Who's in charge? I'm telling you, God is in charge. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs and the entire herd plunged into the, to the steep hillside, into the, down the steep hillside, into the lake and drowned. Here's the deal. Jesus is Lord over the natural realm and over the spiritual realm as well. Did you hear what I said? Jesus is Lord. Hmm. That just seemed like a good place to pause for you to absorb. Well, is he really Lord? Is he always Lord? Yes, he's always Lord. He's, he's been Lord before you were born. Well, don't we have to make him Lord? You don't make God Lord. That's a, does that make any sense? I'm going to make my daddy my daddy. No, you can't make your daddy your daddy. That's, what? You're so stupid. It's good preaching, Brits. Oh, we should keep going. <sighs> Okay, I got one more story. This is one of my favorite, and then I'm gonna quit. And I'm gonna try not to cry through it because I get really excited about this story. So here, the orange line is going to indicate Jesus' last trip to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is is way down here. This is the other Bethany that I mentioned earlier. So Jesus is going to, this is his orange line, he's gonna, this is his last trip, he's going into Jerusalem for the final time, okay? And on the way, he's gonna be over here on the west side and he's gonna do, uh, oh, it's on the east side. He's gonna be on the east side, he's gonna do some teaching and preaching, and then he's gonna go through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem for the final time, okay? This is the final trip, last trip of Jesus, okay? Uh, And then this story happens in Jericho, where the walls fell down previously. Mark chapter 10, verse 14. 46 He says, then he reached Jericho. And as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. It is very important to point out that this man has no vision. He cannot see. He is blind. I have to explain that to you because sometimes we read through this and we take it for granted. He cannot see, he is blind. Verse 47, when Bartimaeus, when blind Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David. Have we seen this before? Jesus, son of David. Why is this significant? Because a long time ago, God made a covenant with David that the scepter of power would never leave David's family. So when Jesus comes and he is the son of David, not only is he fulfilling all of the Old Testament prophecies, but it is the culmination of all the Old Testament covenants as well. Jesus, son of David. He couldn't take a phrase and summarize the whole Old Testament any more articulately. Jesus, son of David. And then he says, Have mercy on me. Blind Bartimaeus, blind, a blind man recognized that Jesus is the Christ and that he has the power to offer mercy. Have mercy on me. Verse 48, be quiet, many of the people yelled at him but he only shouted louder. I like blind Bartimaeus, I like blind Bartimaeus. He only shouted louder, hush, blind Bartimaeus. He shouts louder, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus heard him and he stopped and he said, tell him to come here. Now by this point, Jesus is probably traveling with an entourage because they're celebrating. This is, we believe that he's the Messiah, and so there's kind of some pomp and circumstances, some excitement. Jesus stops the party to say, tell him, tell the blind man who sits on the side of the road and begs, tell him to come to me. I want to be close to him. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat. I think that there's a lot of symbolism going on here. He threw aside his coat, he jumped up, and he came To Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus, he's a genius. I see you're blind, what do you need from me? (laughs) My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. Jesus is a miracle worker, he has power over the natural and the supernatural. He is the God and the man of mercy and compassion. The Old Testament prophets foretold of a Messiah. The Old Testament stories pointed to the Christ. Jesus is not, Jesus is not a foreshadowing of salvation. Jesus is the reality, the completion, the fullness of salvation. And he says, what do you want from me? For those who believe in him, for those who will put their trust in him, he will give eternal life. You've been listening to the Desert Heights Church Weekly Message. We would like to invite you to one of our service times at 9 or 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings here in Farmington, New Mexico. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at DesertHeightsChurch.com.